are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. Welcome back to the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin, representing for CanesCounty.com, part of the Rivals.com network. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all platforms, the Storm Tracker Podcast, and also subscribe to this YouTube channel live from Canes County. Joining me today is Brandon O'Doy from footballhotbed.com to talk Canes and to talk recruiting. Thanks for joining me today, Brandon. I appreciate it, man. I always appreciate any opportunity to be on with you, brother. No doubt. So Miami finally is on a winning path here. We got two back-to-back wins, albeit they were close ones, almost heart stoppers each time, overtime wins, but a win's a win, right? Miami now has two wins in the conference you know things are kind of feeling good overall your thoughts on them beating virginia saturday night in overtime yeah wins a win you have to like this win uh that this team got over you know an upsurgent uh virginia team so don't let the record fool you they went into chapel hill and they knocked off the tar heels and that was a good football team you know, you've got, you know, two very highly rated NFL projected guys in Drake May and Tez Walker. And those guys were able to come in and, and and really they did it the same way they gave Miami trouble on Saturday through the defense and a sound running game. Probably the only difference is that quarterback was not quite as prolific against Miami as he was against the Tar Heels. The thing about this ACC, Marcus, is that in 2023, the ACC, to me, is actually a better football conference than the much-heralded SEC. You can lose a game any day in this league, and, 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 and the SEC can't necessarily say that. you know. So you have bottom feeder teams being elite teams, and that's the strength. That's the sign of the strength of a conference because you know these wins are not tough. And even at home, you know, Virginia pushed Miami even to overtime. And this is a team that got their starting quarterback back, how he played. I'm sure we'll discuss soon. But at the end of the day, you do not apologize for a win. Miami won with sound defense. They won with great special teams. Uh, Not only uh, Andres Borgales, who should be a Groza semifinalist, but also the the kick and punt returns. Uh, Ray Ray uh, getting his chance to kind of do what he should have been doing pretty much this entire season, but they were grooming him in uh, because he has electrifying ability uh, as a returner on kicks and punts. And so you just saw a lot to like. And and then I I just want to say this, Dylan Joyce, the punter from Australia, the true freshman, uh, even though he's in his twenties, he hasn't gotten much pub at all, but he is sound, very sound, very solid. He's a big part to this defense that this Miami hurricane, I mean, how can you go two for two at punter, you know, with these Aussie punters coming in and and it looks like Miami has done that. There's absolutely no fall off at that position. And so that's one of the reasons Miami had a chance to win at home and they got the job done. Yeah. Miami's certainly establishing a pipeline from Australia to the U when it comes to punters, but yeah, I agree with you about the conference. I mean, the conference is, you know, it's up for grabs, you know, it's, You saw it last Saturday when Georgia Tech beat North Carolina and then Louisville shuts out Duke. I don't maybe people thought the Cardinals will pull out the win, but to shut them out 
was a big statement. And Florida State, you know, kind of keeps on winning. And now Virginia Tech is actually only has one loss in the conference. Surprise, surprise. So yeah. I agree with you. The, this this conference is definitely a, a, a step up over the SEC this season. We all kind of know it as a basketball conference, but it seems like it's definitely a football conference in 2023. But, Brandon, let's discuss the elephant in the room from this game, and that is Tyler Van Dyke, man. Tyler Van Dyke was underwhelming, to say the least, in, in that game. I mean, he just didn't look himself. And let's just kind of put out there, or let me put out there first, that he is dealing with injuries. A lot of players are. This is for it's the season. A lot of players are dealing with injuries, but he had an obvious brace on his knee for this one. He missed the last game, obviously, because of injury. He tore three ligaments in his hand before the season started. So my my question to you for these for these next few topics is chance or no chance? Is there a chance that TVD turns things around in these last four games? Well, yeah, there's obviously a chance, and he has to. And I think he took some accountability in the postgame press conference. I don't go in. You know, I stand outside. You were in there. You heard what he said about not preparing and about, you know, not doing what he should do, which is just completely unforgivable at this point in his career. How can a four-year guy tell people in a conference game when bowl games and so many other things are on the line that – he's not as prepared as he needs to be to play football. Like that's, that's not, that's just unacceptable. And so when you see him, you know, go out there, even with the injuries that he has, you you can be mentally sharp. If you're not going to be at your physical best, you can be as mentally sharp as you need to be. And, And as a senior leader, you're supposed to do that. One thing you'll, you'll be able to say, and I've said this on my podcast, I've said this on your podcast here on Kings County. I've never been in the Tyler Van Dyke, you know, camp. I've never thought that he was the type of player Miami needed at the quarterback position. I've always said I thought he was a system guy. I thought after that sophomore season, people went and watched film and figured him out. Uh, even when he had injuries, I never held that against him, but I only judged when he was healthy. I think the best game he's played in this program was at home against Texas A&M, and it's been downhill ever since. And yeah. And at the end of the day, I just don't, I don't think even now that he has a sound offense to play in, he gives Miami the best chance to win. If you can win at home with an Emory Williams managing him in this strong run game and in a and really the fourth running back on this roster, the third and fourth running backs on this roster, if you can win at home with those two guys and managing Emory Williams, I thought Tyler should have been given another week to rest and recoup and possibly get ready to go on the road against, you know, NC State where, you you know, a freshman will be challenged to play. Uh, but at the end of the day, he's just got to step up. So, yeah, there's a chance to win. There's a chance to win every game remaining because the defense is playing lights out, like we talked about. The special teams are playing lights out. And, and just to a point we were just speaking to before, one of the reasons why it's so hard to win in this league is because there's so much, you know, veteran leadership in the coaching ranks in the ACC, you talk about the teams at the top. Mike Norville is going into year four, um, and, and 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 he's been able to, like, really put his stamp on that program. You got NC State. You know, Dave Doreen's been around forever. You got Mac uh, Brown, who's been at UNC for a long time. You know, you got Clawson at Wake Forest, who's been there. The only newbies are really Virginia Tech, Virginia, and 
to some extent, Duke, you know, only in their second year. But, you know, Dabo's been around. Mario's in year uh, two. He's relatively new. But you you have that you have so many veteran coaches. We're not hiring and firing in this conference at the rate that everybody else in college football is. And that allows you to get continuity. That allows you to understand what your team needs, what your program needs, how to recruit, to get those pipelines going. And that's why you're seeing a lot of success. And the final piece I'll say to that is the ACC challenges itself more out of conference than other conferences do. You do not see the Big Ten and the SEC play those juggernaut teams as much early on. They will try to play them – you know, at some point, maybe you'll get one year and then they'll take years off where you have an embarrassing schedule like what Georgia has. And so at the end of the day, this conference is 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 really strong. They don't mind challenging themselves. They will play those tough games. And when you see everybody get in league play, the, the result of playing those tough games and testing your mettle is, you know, one hand can eat the other. And, and, and that's what a strong conference does. It allows anybody from top to bottom to be able to have success on any given Saturday. On every given Saturday, yeah, uh, a defense can kind of step up, but you kind of want to trust your quarterback. And Miami, I, I don't think they can really kind of trust their, their, their quarterback right now. You see it from the play calling. Shannon Dawson is really kind of tapering down his play calling for, for TVD right now. And it's, it's kind of disappointing to see because you thought that, okay, so he was going to take this next step in this offense or return back to 2021 TVD. And he seems to, I don't want to say regress, but he, he hasn't progressed uh, this season uh, at all. And, from what I saw, Brandon, it's just that he just wasn't taking the easy play. Like, there were so many times where I'm, I'm watching this. Like, you know, of course, I'm watching it from the press box, so I see it more from a bird's eye view like you. And I just kind of see that there are easier options. There were so many almost on every play, especially on the plays with where he threw interceptions, he could have easily checked it down to the back. There was an easier option that Tyler Van Dyke could have thrown to, but for some reason he tends to continue to throw these forced footballs into traffic. It's unexplainable at this point. It, it is unexplainable, and, and here's the thing. Last year he had at least an excuse. This year, what's the excuse? He's got one of the best offensive lines ever assembled, you know, at Miami in the past 20 years. He literally sits back there, and it's like 7 on 7, 1, 2, 3, 4. He gets all day to pass. And he's just not making decisions that are sound. And that's what quarterbacking is about. You got people who have elite ability to be able to throw the ball. You have guys who can run. Quarterback is about decision-making. And he's just not making good decisions. And the decisions that he's making are, are hurting this team and to the point where, you know, it's it, it's costing them, you know, opportunities to make games, you know, a lot easier to play. Now, at the end of the day, He's got to prepare. And, and I just hope that that was a blip on the radar screen. Maybe something happened. Maybe he had a, a midterm or a very tough week at school. I have no idea. But he's got to prepare. He definitely has to prepare because beating NC State, that's one of the games that I highlighted early on in, in our conversations that this is a game that I'm saying that this is going to be a tough road to hold. At NC yeah. State, at North Carolina, I never liked those games. I never liked them. And we saw what happened at North Carolina. And – you know, but I think at this juncture, 
Shannon Dawson knows what he's dealing with. And I think you're going to start seeing a lot more heavily reliance on the run. If they can get Henry Paris back next week. And I don't know what was going on with Don Chaney. And I'm, we're probably not going to hear more about that later on today. But I mean, there are four legitimate backs on this team. And you got an offensive line that doesn't mind run blocking and, and creating holes. And, and you just have to manage Tyler the way you managed Emory. But I will say this. Shannon Dawson showed me something in the fourth quarter against Clemson. He can be dynamic. He can be a, a, a just a, a really creative play caller. I just don't think he has the tools to be able to do that. And when he had to open it up for Emory and take the, take the training wheels off, he did. And the offense looked completely different. New guys were getting the ball. Love to see Brashard at running back, which he's played most of his life. He's not a receiver. He learned to be a receiver in college. A lot of people have to understand that. That's why he looks so natural back there. That's what he's been in all throughout high school, all throughout youth football. And so he's done a lot of that, getting new guys around. And then you know the ball's not going to end up in seven's hand every single time or he's going to get stared down and, and potentially throw picks. But they're just – Tyler, what's going on with him is almost inexplicable, but that's why I never bought into this in the transfer portal of the Alabama first round pick stuff. It's just like, what have you guys seen that shows something other than what I'm seeing about this kid? He's a good quarterback. He can be good. He can even be great, but it's not at the consistency level that you need to be a championship football team. And it never has been. After that sophomore year, they went, put on the tape and figured him out. And once they did that, he's just been a guy that had a really good game against Texas A&M. Yeah, I think people are are still kind of in the moment of when he had like this crazy run when he was passing for, I think it was over 250 yards for, uh, I want to say five or six straight games. And the only other quarterback that could, that was doing it at that clip at that time was Joe Burrow, who won the Heisman. So I think people are still have that kind of in their mind of how great he can be. But I agree with you 100 percent. I think now there's more tape on him. They realize what he likes to do and they're they're playing against his his uh, weaknesses. But um, you, you talked about NC State and it is a huge game coming up this Saturday in Raleigh. Miami's going to have to battle for this one because, like I said earlier in this pod, this team shut out Duke, and Duke took down, you know, Clemson. They they battled Notre Dame to the wire. So, obviously, this is going to be a really tough game for Miami to, to pull off here. And one last thing before we go into that, I wanted to also talk about Brashard Smith as well. This kid, you know, l- like you mentioned, I've seen him as well play dynamic as running back, but we saw it in Clemson, but we didn't see it at all in this game against Virginia. I, I, that's That kind of baffled me. I, mean, I think he may have had one carry late in the game against Virginia, but I don't understand why he didn't get the ball more, especially with A.J. Allen going down with an injury, a hamstring injury, I think, uh, mid-game there. Um, of course, you know, they, they gave the ball to Mark Fletcher, which, of course, that paid off in the end, but I just don't understand why Brashard Smith wasn't getting more carries. And as far as Don Chaney's concerned, what I hear is that uh, it was just a concussion or he was in some kind of concussion protocol. So he should be back uh, for this game against NC State. Um, But, yeah, just kind of wanted to comment that. But NC State game, chance or no chance Miami wins this game on the road in Raleigh? Definitely a chance. Um, 
I wish I could say it was a much better chance, but just you just never know what Tyler Van Dyke is going to show up. You know, you hope you get the majority of your running backs healthy. You know, Rashad not playing might have had something to do with his health. You know, you get a lot more banged up at running back than you do at wide receiver. So, you know, even though he didn't have a ton of carries, he definitely carried the ball and probably for the first time in a long time. And so I don't know what they do in practice. But at the end of the day, um, if you can take a Parrish who had limited carries, he looked like he limped off at some point during the Virginia game. But if if for some reason you can get him healthy, you know, serviceable Don, you know, Mark Fletcher at full go, and to some degree, you know, A.J. Allen, um, yeah, I think you run your way out of there. I think you 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 just try to play really good on defense and just run your way out of there, man, and just get over 200 yards rushing. TVD doesn't have to be a hero. Same thing with Emory a couple of weeks ago against Clemson and, and try to limit turnovers and mistakes because force, getting Tyler to force things and, and, and situations like that, it just it's not the position you want to put him in. He's, he doesn't have the chops as a quarterback right now to be able to manage that kind of expectation. And I mean, just think about this, Marcus, this is a guy who had at one point in his career, a first round draft grade. He had Heisman odds and he was talked about getting in the portal to transfer to Alabama. And now we're saying, can he go into NC state and win a back and win a football game? Sorry. I don't want Dave Duran to kind of, you know, get on here and call me a jerk. But like at the end of the day, I, I mean, where have we come with this kid? You know what I mean? Like, it's just bad at what these conversations have become. But I will say from the very beginning, I never thought, I never thought he was the guy. I never thought, and I think you you know that, and I've always said there's just something missing with him. I loved him sophomore year. It just, he just doesn't seem to be a guy who can get back to that. And I think some of that is he gets injured, you know, pretty readily during seasons. And, you know, at the beginning of last year, I thought he put on weight. I thought he looked bigger this year, not so much. And he looked slimmer. He definitely looked like he had dropped a few pounds, but I like the big TVD, man. I like when he was about two, two twenty, two thirty. you know what I mean? He could take a hit that I, you know, running around, I, give me the big TVD back, man. Uh, you know, I like, I like the big one, you know, let's, let's get him back. And, and maybe we can reel off four straight here and make a special season. Four straight wins would be unbelievable, to be honest. Uh, but it's possible, obviously, right? And Miami going up to Tallahassee to beat Florida State, it's possible, right? It, Florida State clicking on all cylinders right now, undefeated possibly going to be announced tomorrow to be in the top four for the college football playoff. What are the chances, though, that Miami can kind of go into Tallahassee? I know we're looking ahead here, but what are the chances of Miami going into Tallahassee and pulling off a win over the Seminoles? Well, I'll say this. For all his sins, one thing TVD has always done, he's always played well against Florida State, always. that's That seems to be a game. He just dials in four. And if he plays like he's consistently played, Miami has a real chance. Remember, even though Florida State is big time, you know, they're elite. They're the elite team. They're the brand in this conference this year. Um, this is a rivalry game. And there are going to be a lot of fans making the trip. 
there there are a lot of people who are excited about Miami this year. Uh, even though there have been some very disappointing losses. I think the most disappointing is Georgia Tech at home, and we've talked about that ad nauseum. But at the end of the day, yeah, there's a chance. I mean, there's always a chance. I mean, you look at Miami Central and Northwestern. Northwestern's having a terrible year, but they push Miami Central to the brink because when it's rivalry and it's deep and it's tough, you, you, you have to, you know, throw the records out. And I know that's cliche, but – I think that still applies here. Do I favor Miami in that game? No. You know what I mean? I'm not wearing, you know, green and orange glasses. But at the end of the day, there's a chance. I definitely have to give them a chance to go on the road. But it will not be easy. And one of the reasons it won't be easy, Marcus, is because this team hasn't played on the road very much this year. I mean, you're talking about they're entering only their third road game, if I'm not mistaken. You know, there there are a lot of road games at the end of this schedule. It's very unbalanced. So you got on the road at NC State, on the road at Florida State, and you got on the road at Boston College, you know, during a very sleepy day after Thanksgiving contest. These are some tough games to solidify what this team will be this year. And Miami's going to have to find maturity and they're going to have to, you know, get better at every aspect of the game. Yeah, I actually misspoke earlier about NC State shutting out uh, Duke. I was actually Louisville who shut out Duke. Uh, NC State beat Clemson last week, 24-17. So you you just kind of talked about it. Miami has a slight chance to make the ACC championship game, and I do mean slight. Is there a chance, chance or no chance, that Miami – makes the ACC title game this season. Yeah, uh, there's a chance because with North Carolina losing to Georgia Tech, um, they've got to hope that Georgia Tech takes another loss because that's the tiebreaker they don't have, and they've got to hope uh, North Carolina loses one more time, and then they've got to run the table. they got to beat FSU, NC State, Boston College, and Louisville. And if they do that, that puts them at a very trim line a few things have to fall their way, but yeah, they're still not out of the conversation of making this ACC championship game. And I don't think that, you know, that's something that, you know, you aspire to if you're Mario Cristobal. I just think you show improvement. I think you come in and you say, look, we went five and seven year one. We had some disastrous things happen. We came back, we jumped in the portal, we recruited our behinds off. We brought in four impact freshmen and, you know, um, Francisco Goa on the line. We brought in Ruben Bain. You know, we brought in Mark Fletcher. And then we brought in this kid from Australia, Dylan Joyce. And, oh, by the way, you know, we're getting some contributions from Ray Ray and, and some other freshmen are playing on special teams and giving us quality minutes there. So you can be a freshman, come in and play right away. And then we're going back. We're bringing in probably one of the best safety prospects in the country in Zaquan Patterson. We're bringing in a very electric, you know, Josiah Trader and, and some other pieces that, you know, we're excited about, you know, from this next recruiting class. And so I think you you show the signs trending positively up. And, and, and there's a lot to like about, you know, what Coach Cristobal and his staff has done. Now, I think they're going to split. I don't know which games are going to win or lose, but I think a split of these next four games is a reasonable ask, and an eight and four season is is far better than I projected. Absolutely, I think that's an absolute win. Eight wins, and with a possibility of nine to uh, win a win a bowl game, I, I think that's an absolute win in Cristobal for Cristobal. 
in year two of his era. Crystal ball specialty recruiting and it's flip season, Brandon. It, I mean, we've, we've already seen it already uh, happen in a negative way for the hurricanes with Armando Blunt flipping from Miami to Florida state, but Miami's in contention to flip a lot of guys. And one of those guys is Jordan Lyle. Jordan Lyle has been at games back to back to back um, at hard rock stadium. And yeah, he, he's definitely a special player. I've been on him very early. I thought he, he, I actually think he's the best running back in South Florida. So Hard I mean, to disagree that, with that. Yeah, there, there's others that you can, you know, make a case for. Bullet, obviously, being one of them, uh, the North Carolina commit. Um, but Miami, like I said, is really pushing to flip Jordan Lyle from Ohio State. Do you think that happens? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I wouldn't say no. Uh, you know, <laughs> Tim Ice Harris Jr. is one of the best recruiters and coaches. And he can just trot out Mark Fletcher and say, hey, listen, look at what I did with this true freshman from, you know, Broward County, just like you. He's come in and he's become a very big, you know, priority here in this offense. And, you know, there are two different type of backs. Uh, Lyle brings a speed power combination that I don't think I've seen. You know, I, I called the game against Monarch. He had over 300 yards rushing and this guy's dynamic. When I tell you he is fast, he is a home run hitter. He would be like having, um, you know, the rooster back in this Miami Hurricanes offense. He's truly, you know, one of those gifted players. He's has vision. And then when he gets, you know, into the open spaces, like you see right here, there's nobody on the field that can catch him. He has track, legitimate track speed. He's a home run hitter, and I think he comes in right away in this offense and makes an impact, and he pressures everybody else. He's going to pressure Parrish. He's going to push these guys. These guys might want to jump in the portal if this guy comes because I'm telling you, this dude is ready to rock right this moment. Uh, and yeah. so it would be incredible if he can get um, into this class. Uh, I think, you know, when you're looking at Ohio State and how they use the running backs – and everything that they do from his perspective, I think Miami has shown they're committed to running the the, the football. And, and you're seeing that, you know, but there are going to be some things that need to be done on this offensive line because there are a lot of people who could potentially leave, you know, yeah. next year because at the end of the day, Rivers is having such a good year. You have to be careful to see that he doesn't, you know, take off with, you know, Cohen and Lee and and and, and who are likely working them way, they're working their way into the draft. Uh, you know, you got Maragoa coming back and, and, and of course, uh, the other young man that has developed at the guard position for Miami. But, you know, yeah. you got to yeah, you got to put this line back together again. You know what I mean? And so can lightning strike twice, but you're doing a lot of very positive things and hoping you're developing somebody on the back end. I know you get Samson back, you know, from whatever season ending injury he had and, and you've been recruiting pretty decently at that position. Uh, but you're going to need a center. And that's one thing that Miami is going to need to be, you know, looking out for and being focused on, you know, as this comes uh, to pass as everything, you know, looks the way it starts to shape up. But I think Lyle should be very high on the flip list. I think yeah. you've got to have an opportunity to get back into Jeremiah Smith's face. I think you sure. just you you go down swinging on J.J. Smith. You foul the ball off as many times as you can <laughs> and you right. just 
you just keep fouling the ball off, man, and 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 just stay in the batter's box and, and never give up when it comes to him because that's a game-changing guy. Imagine him on this team. You know, I think Jeremiah Smith is just a more reliable uh, Kobe Young. Kobe Young, I think he's a very talented player, but his hands aren't the most reliable. You don't know if he's going to make a big play, hang on to the football. He dropped one of Emory's passes against Clemson. That could have really bailed the young freshman out. Thankfully, it didn't cost Miami the game. But you're talking about a Jeremiah Smith kid who could walk into this starting lineup at receiver and play right now. You know, and that's the thing that, you know, he brings to the table. But Lyle, I'm all in on Lyle. I think he is one of the best backs, if not the best back in South Florida, you know, um, and he brings a lot to the table. Yeah, I I love him as a running back. I think he has great vision. I think he he cuts on a dime and he catches the ball well out of the backfield. And I, I think he can be just a, a, a really dynamic option for, for this class. And I'm already in love with Kevin Riley. I don't know if you had a chance to look at his game tape, uh, the kid from Alabama that they have committed at running back. Kevin Riley is extremely, extremely dynamic. And then add the speedster and Chris Wheatley Humphrey. All of a sudden, this is a very, very deep room. <laughs> With uh, with with a bunch of capable backs and Trevante Citizen finally dressed uh, last game uh, didn't play, but nice to see him in uniform. Citizen to see him up close, he's he's basically the same size of Mark Fletcher. So if he's anywhere close to how Fletcher has been performing, then Miami is just loaded at the running back position. So. Yeah. So, yeah, so so we'll see how, how things shake out. Xavier Lucas is another great player that Miami is uh, pushing for. Could be a flip from Wisconsin uh, as well. They're also pushing for C.J. Ewald to flip from Michigan for the 2025 class, another one of those kids out of that Chaminade powerhouse program. Any chances you think that they could get uh, Lucas or Ewald? I, I know you think it, you know they have a chance for JJ, and they're going to continue to swing for the fences there. But what do you? I think don't know how chance? much of a chance they have. I think just you know, one thing about Mario Cristobal, and I've talked to recruits' parents. He never gives up. People on his staff may give up, and, and he never gives up. He continues to text. He continues to stay in touch. He's he's a yeah. relentless recruiter, and that is going to pay off at some point and it's going to pay off big and it may pay off with Jeremiah Smith. It may pay off with Jordan Lyle. I don't know, but it's going to pay off. I think Ewall eventually flips uh, his parents, you know, their, their, their private school owners, they had sports day at school. They both dressed up in hurricanes, you know, gear. Um, I, I think he wants to stay home. There's too much going on with the Michigan program right now. Uh, you know, it doesn't look like Harbaugh be around if all of this stuff shakes out and, and it becomes a disaster. There's just a lot of things that are troubling that are coming out about that program. I don't know fact from fiction, but, you know, getting a chance to stay home. And this, this, like I said, this hurricane team is trending upward. The thing that Miami has to start thinking about is how many pieces do they have to plug off of this team? And this is why, and not to harp on TVD, but this is why it's disappointing that he's not playing better. When are you ever going to have a defense with Leonard Taylor, Ruben Bain, James Williams, Cam, Cam. Kitchens, Takori Couch, Jaden Davis, Daryl Porter, Francisco Malgoa, 
and and and, and interchangeably at times that that third that second linebacker who could be Corey Flag, Wesley Besaint, or, or or KJ McLeod, and and and. and and these guys are all playing at a super high level. You get a Branson Dean from Purdue that's balling, you know, yeah. even though you got a guy hurt and, and probably Mesador, your best D, D tackle, people are stepping up. When are you ever going to have a composition like this? And when are you ever going to have prospects on the offensive line, a Matt Lee, a Cohen, uh, you know, uh, a Jaden? When, when are you ever, a Jalen Rivers, when, when are you going to ever have this composition of wide receiver talent, a Jacoby George, an Xavier Restrepo, a Kobe Young, and then be able to replace them off the bench with a Horton, a Harrell, a Brashad Smith. Like, this is a good team that you're letting kind of walk out of the door because every time you have to put this thing together, it never looks the same. And so that's what's so disappointing about what's going on with this quarterback. He was not supposed to be the problem or the question mark. He wasn't. The question marks were supposed to be on the O-line. The question marks were supposed to be on the D-line. wasn't supposed to be a question of the man back there. That was not yeah. supposed to be a question mark. At all, at all. So we'll, we'll see if he bounces back. He's got four games to kind of redeem himself. Hopefully he heals up. I don't know how serious his injuries are. But one one fact is, is that he, he's never run. Like uh, I maybe his run, well, he had that one run against Temple. He had that. But besides that, well, he had another run in, in a game before that. But since there, since conference play has started, he has not run the football once. So I'll tell you one thing he did do, not to cut you off, but yeah, I got to give credit where it's due. And, and I saw this. I didn't even really realize this. But when I rewatched the game, when he got out of a potential sack and hit Henry Paris for that first down late in that fourth quarter against Virginia – that's probably one of the best plays he's made all year using his feet. And so I have to give him credit because on that drive, he got out of two would-be sacks and he showed some athleticism. But, you know, with Tyler, man, just bring back big TVD, bring back focused, preparing TVD, bring back the TVD that had, you know, saving in the portal, entertaining, bring him over. Because I, I never bought it, but if that was true, if the GOAT wants to get TVD, bring that guy back because the guy we got right now, uh, I don't I don't recognize him. Yeah, he's he's not that. He's definitely not right. But hopefully he gets right in these next four games. Brandon O'Doy joining me once again from footballhotbed.com. Thank you for, for joining me once again. Brandon, how can people find more stuff from you? Me, check me out, footballhotbed.com. Check out my podcast with the Beast, the Real Ones Kings podcast. Check out pretty much on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter, and everything will be there at Brandon underscore Odoy. And of course, if you have a youth or high school football athlete, you know, you want to log on to footballhotbed.com and click on high school showcases and find out how you can become like Ruben Bain, Wesley Besant, Xavier Restrepo, and participate in our hotbed showcases. One of the reasons I know so much about these guys is because they've, they've been in my camps. They've been in my games. So I've known these guys since they were, you know, uh, before they were teenagers. So it's it's been awesome to watch these guys grow up. And I'll just say one last thing in closing. It was special to watch Mark Fletcher and his parents. I think you saw them when they came in yeah. to the post game with Tim Harris. And that's what staying at home affords you. When you yeah. get a chance to go in after your son got the game-winning touchdown and your whole family gets to walk in the media room, which I've never seen happen in all my time here, 
that's a cool experience. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was awesome to see. I did get a video uh, of that and posted that on Twitter. It was just, it was, it was amazing to see and couldn't happen to a better kid too. Uh, Mark Fletcher is one Thank of the you. best kids that I've ever come across. So glad to see him have success at the U. That's going to wrap it up for the Storm Tracker podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on all platforms. Also subscribe to the website, canescounty.com. Use the promo code Miami30. And also subscribe to this YouTube channel live from Canes County. That's going to wrap it up for this edition. Until the next episode.